0: Hi, welcome to the Love and Serve podcast. I'm your host, Christy, and I am super excited to share with you. This podcast is all about loving where you've come from, loving where you are, and loving where you are going. I am honored to be on the journey of self-love with you together. Let's dive in. This episode was brought to you by G-NAPS. G-NAPS is an incredible brain nootropic supplement designed to help you with performance, calm, and clarity. Head on over to gnapps.com. At checkout, use Love 20 to get your 20% off, plus free shipping and handling on your order. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Love and Serve podcast. I'm your host, Christy Dryling, and I am beyond excited to introduce my very special and new friend, Dan Butner to our show. Uh, I tell you, this man is such a conscious leader in our world and such a force, and I was so excited that he uh, chose to be on our show just to share more light with you, more wisdom, so that you can live your best life. Dan is an explorer. He's always traveling somewhere. Uh, so inspiring. National Geographic fellow award-winning journalist and producer and New York Times bestselling author... He discovered the five places in the world dubbed Blue Zones Hotspots, where people live the longest, healthiest lives. His articles about these places in the New York Times Magazine and National Geo are two of the most popular for both publications. Butner now works in partnership with municipal governments, large employees, and health insurance companies to implement Blue Zones projects in communities, workplaces, and universities. Blue Zone projects are well-being initiatives that apply lessons from the blue zones to the entire community, on focusing on changes to the local environment, public policy, and social networks. The program has dramatically improved the health of more than five million Americans to date. His books, The Blue Zones, Thrive, The Blue Zones Solution, The Blue Zones of Happiness, and The Blue Zones Kitchen, were all national bestsellers. Butner has appeared on The Today Show, Oprah, NBC Nightly News, and Good Morning America and has keynoted speeches at TEDMED, Aspen Institute, and Google Zycus. Uh, His speech in January of 2018 at the World Economic Forum in Dovos was chosen as one of the best his new book The Blue Zone's Challenge, which I have and love and it's sitting right next to my stove right now, is a 4-week plan for a longer, better life. It's a 4-week guide and a year-long sustainability program to jumpstart your journey to better health, happiness, less stress and longer life. Butner also holds 3 Guinness World Records in distance cycling. I absolutely did not know that. How epic is that? Welcome to our show, Dan. How are you?
1: Pleasure to be here. Nice to meet you.
0: It's so nice to meet you in person, virtually here. So you've been traveling quite a bit. Tell us what your adventures have been like lately. Where have you been? What have you been doing?
1: Well, two weeks ago, I went to the Blue Zone in Ikaria, Greece, and caught up with some research there. Um, I like to touch base in these Blue Zones. And over the past year, for much of the pandemic, I've been working on a book, which will probably be tentatively entitled the Blue Zone American Kitchen, which um, looks at the diet of Americans before 1920. And this year, 750,000 Americans will die eating the standard American diet. Uh, But if if you go back and look at the food traditions among African Americans, Latinos, Asians, and Native Americans 100 years ago, they were eating a Blue Zone diet, a diet that would probably get them into their mid nineties without chronic disease. So this book captures that diet. And then, um, we had a national geographic photographer on board. So it's a beautiful full of images and then a hundred recipes of so go to a hundred.
0: Wow. So important today. I just saw some research the other day that said that now we're up to 70% of Americans that are overweight or obese. And, uh, It's pretty crazy insane that we we really not talking as much about health, right? And well-being and prevention, which is why I'm so excited to have you on the show today, because I really feel like if people know more, I really think that they will do better. I really, truly believe that people just are ignorant in some sense. There's so many choices. There's so much out there. That people don't know what to do. They don't. They don't know how to eat because they've grown up. Like I grew up with TV dinners. I mean,
1: yeah. in, the, in the
0: old right. Florida. Yeah, totally. And for me, that was like epic. Like going to McDonald's with my sisters, we had to all share a Happy Meal. We were so poor. So like spam was our staple in our family. And I'm glad you're still alive. Of, I know, right? Yeah, me too. Thankfully, my body regenerates itself every seven years, right? (laughs) So that so tell us, Dan. I want to take our audience back um, to maybe the beginning, the starting point of when you decided to take this journey, and and what brought you to this point. How did your call? How did this path become your calling?
1: I've been an explorer my whole life, as you noted in the beginning. I, I spent eight years biking across. Five Continents and Setting Records. Uh, then uh, at National Geographic, I had an editor who gave me a really important insight that expeditions of today have to add to the body of knowledge or, or better the human condition. It can't just be going to the top of another mountain or or to deep jungle and coming back with a bunch of tales of adventure and danger. Um, so I embarked upon 16 expeditions that use the Wisdom of the crowd, online audience, to to direct teams of scientists to solve mysteries. When they were like, why the Maya civilization collapsed? We followed Marco Polo's route across China, and I think um, made an argument that he never made it acro- to across China as the fable uh, has us believing. Uh, but then it eventually led to this really interesting mystery in Southeast Asia, in Okinawa. There was a tiny group of islands where people had the longest disability-free life expectancy in the world. In other words, they were living to their mid-90s without heart disease, without cancer, without diabetes, um, without without ever suffering from obesity, and just very superficially found that it was a genetic melting pot. They they have no special genes. So it was something about what they were doing that – was leading to this extraordinary longevity and that really triggered the idea for this worldwide search for longevity hotspots and, and then distilling out um, the, the lessons they have for the rest of us.
0: Hmm. I love that. So um, I was listening to one of your shows a while back and as I I took the little pieces that I gained from it and I share it with everyone I know you know whenever we start talking about health, and what I love about what you teach is that it goes beyond what we eat. And, and so, maybe if you could uh, elaborate a little bit about lifestyle and how much lifestyle also plays a, a big role in health and longevity.
1: Sure. You know, I'm somewhat disruptive in, in uh, my belief that if you're overweight and unhealthy in America, it's probably not your fault. And I say that because if you go back to 1980, and look at the obesity rates. They're about one third as many people obese, and about one seventh as many people suffering from diabetes and prediabetes. And I was al- I was alive in 1980, and I can tell you the people were not better people. They did not have better diets. They did not have better education. Um, so something else is happening to Americans outside of their bodies. And it's our food environment. I'm, I'm a big believer that the environment we live in is, is uh, pandering to our, our genetic de- desires rather than what's good for us. I mean, we're, we're genetically hardwired to crave fat, sugar, salt, um, and take rest whenever we can. And when we live in an environment where every um, five steps there, we're confronted by a candy bar or a cheeseburger or a soda pop or... A bag of chips. I mean, we can have great discipline, but eventually disciplines the discipline's a muscle, and that muscle gets tired and we're hungry and we grab the candy bar, or all we can find to eat is a burger. So we're eating a burger and it's we're we're so riddled with disease, not because we're bad people who lack discipline. We live in a toxic food environment. Most of my work over the past Uh, 12 years has been with cities to change that environment to set people up for success rather than for for, um, sickness.
0: What do you feel like is the greatest challenge that you face going out into the world and trying to shift communities into making these massive changes?
1: They're counterintuitive. For example, I can raise the physical activity level of an entire city if they adopt what's called a complete streets policy, so that um, every street is planned for a bike lane, a wide, safe sidewalk, trees, parks are cleaned up, and and public transportation is is favored. But what people think they want to do is they they think they want to drive everywhere. But the reality is nobody wants to live on a street with a lot of traffic and the, the pollution. So... You're trying to sell people an idea they don't think they want. Um, uh, same thing with with uh, uh, fast food. I mean, uh, fast food restaurants generate a lot of employment, uh, but they also generate literally trillions of dollars of health care costs and sickness and obesity. And you're, the immediate need is people need jobs, but they're – Long-term need is they need to be healthy and they need to be around. So, uh, you know, I'd say it's it's um, it's selling them this counterintuitive thing that we know is better for them. And a lot of cities, they raised. We were all in. You know, Fort Worth, Texas. Believe it or not, uh, they the the mayor there, Betsy Price, um, they just won a huge award for doing the blue zone work because she had the courage to make smoking. Uh, illegal indoors and outdoors and to um, make downtown Fort Worth walkable and to favor fruits and vegetables over junk food. And they got as a reward, 6% drop in BMI, or 6% drop in the obesity rate. And that's saving that city about a quarter of a billion dollars a year in, uh, in healthcare costs.
0: Wow. Um, so that's pretty epic. And some people might say that your um, challenge before you is overly utopian, but uh, in, w- in which it is, it takes someone with great courage and strength to do the work that you're doing. And uh, I just, I wonder what the, you know, this could take a lifetime, it could take many lifetimes, right, in, in 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 regards to shift this country around. Well, not just our country, but many countries, because now so many countries are following in the footsteps of America, Right. And the, the fast food uh, establishments going up on every corner and these healthier places. Right. Japan, for, for example, have they actually noticed a um, an increase in you know, um, more sickness and overweight and obesity because they've adopted more of an American diet?
1: Yeah. So Okinawa, which produced the longest lived human beings in the history of the world back in 2000. Now, largely because of the force of fast food restaurants and the freeways that have gone up in Okinawa, they have the highest obesity rate, the highest diabetes rate, and they're the least healthy of all of Japan's 46 prefectures. So, yes, it's very clear um, manifestation. But I think it's important for people to understand that they can shape their own environments, even though their external environment. This new book I'm coming out in December, The Blue Zone Challenge, is all about how individuals can shape their environment so that the healthy choice is easy. And we have very good – your kitchen, for example. Um, by doing things like having a junk food drawer that's out of the way. We all like to treat ourselves, uh, but putting junk food uh, – down low or around the corner in a pantry or high up in a in a in a cupboard like right there it's harder harder to get at it having a fruit bowl out uh, reminding you to keep it full many of us are on what I call a seafood diet we eat the food we see and um, if there's a toaster on our 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 uh, counter that prompts us to put something in it and normally what comes out of a toaster is not all that healthy, you know, beginning from Pop-Tarts to white bread, etc. Um, so even we know research that if you take the, the toaster off of your counter, um, you'll weigh about six pounds left after two years than if you leave it on. Um, and making sure you replace that toaster with a fruit bowl. So... It's possible to engineer out about 150 calories of mindless eating every day. And you say, big deal, 150 calories. But over the course of two or three years, that can mean that can be 10 pounds off your waistline. So what we look for are permanent ways to set up our surroundings. So the healthy choice is mindless. And then you don't have to exercise your discipline. You don't have to beat yourself up if you're cheating a little bit. Because most of the decisions we're making are, are healthy decisions.
0: Do you feel like this needs to also be seriously addressed at the federal level and where I feel like, you know, these fast food restaurants should also, I think there should be some type of kickback for implementing healthier, like not just processed options, right, but healthier options, like, and you get penalized if you don't. I mean, I just wonder how we can make a global shift if no one is taking responsibility for, um, you know, at the map at the at the global. I'm sorry, at the national level, is there something? Have you started a conversation with the government in regards to things that we can do to 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 maybe a ground root, I'm sorry, a ground floor roots effort to, to just rewarding those who are actually trying versus just getting away with putting whatever out there for people that are ignorant or not knowledgeable.
1: I've had, um, I've worked a lot with the current, um, uh, surgeon general and actually the previous, previous surgeon general. The problem is we live in a, a society that, um, celebrates free enterprise and, um, you know, the, the the food industry, much until about 1970, they were a net positive. America didn't have enough calories to feed itself until about 1970. And the reason we have such a glut of calories now, and they tend to be bad, uh, is because we've just over-innovated. We have too many calories, and these marketers get a hold of it and try to get us to eat those calories so we'll we'll pay for them. Um, I don't think there's, you know, a bad person. I just think we have a system that overcorrected in producing calories for people. Um, the the meat lobby and the cheese lobby and the beverage lobby are all very powerful, and and it's we're not going to see a big change uh, in federal policies uh, mandating fast food restaurants, what they sell and so forth. But I will tell you, I've worked with 54 municipal governments, and you can get a lot done at the city level. Cities can decide, they can limit the number of new fast food restaurants that go up in their city. So if they can't get a permit, it doesn't matter uh, what they're doing, because they're not going to be there tempting people to eat unhealthy foods. City government can eliminate billboards, uh, junk food advertising, which has a big impact. They can change codes so there's no drive-throughs. Drive-throughs make it really easy for people to act on impulse and buy junky food. And just by taking that drive-through out, you lower fast food sales by 7 or 8%. So mostly what we look for is not the silver bullet, but the silver buckshot that we can unleash at the population level uh, within things that we can actually get done. So, um, I don't spend a lot of time working with the federal government because they move slowly and often not at all, but, um, a, a motivated city, man, I'll tell you what, a good governor, or am sorry, a good mayor and a city council, you can get, get a lot done in three to five years.
0: Mm. That's really incredible. I, I have to say, I always now, um, I lean into sourdough bread more than I ever did before. I never really ate it until I read your books and learned about sourdough. So, if given a choice, that's what I choose. And uh, I love that I I don't have to not have that. Like I love, I still love having you know that 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 bread and and your program and what you shared and what you teach still creates space for that. So, a um, so
1: word on sourdough this is, uh, I discovered this in Sardinia. So sourdough is actually leavened not with yeast, but with a bacteria called lactobacillus. And so that's going to rise your bread. But in the process, it metabolizes most of the gluten. And it also changes the the composition of the bread so that when you're eating sourdough bread with your meal, it actually slows the sugar absorption or lowers what's called the glycemic index. So it's actually healthier to eat a piece of real sourdough bread. The important thing to realize, though, Christy, is that a lot of sourdough breads marketed at you just have sour taste in them. So typically you want to get the real sourdough bread from your local bakery who is um, slow rising the dough or you're making it yourself. And by the way, it's very easy to make your own sourdough bread, very cheap. And um, it it doesn't it doesn't require a big a big um, investment in time.
0: Uh, That's incredible. I loved also what you talk about in regards to community. And I I interviewed John Levy not too long ago, who uh, has wrote uh, You're Invited. I don't know if you've read his book yet, but uh, it's, it's pretty epic. He gets people from all around the world together and they have dinner, but they're not allowed to say what who you know, they're allowed to say their first name, but they're not allowed to say what they do. And so they, they come together and make dinner together and they solve problems together. And at the end, they introduce who they are. And you find out there was a Nobel, Pri- you know, Nobel Prize winner next to you or an Olympic athlete. And it's a really beautiful concept. But he, he is a human behavioral research scientist and said that what's the problem that we face today is that we don't have community, that people move away from their communities. And so uh, you talk a lot about that. There's many parallels in what you talk about leave, living a healthy lifestyle and what that looks like is also being around the ones that you love and having friends, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, we know that if you're, well, first of all, if you're lonely, it shaves about eight years off your life expectancy over having a group of really good friends. So starting there, but also the friends that you choose have an enormous and measurable impact on your health. If you're three best friends, are obese and unhealthy, there's a 150% better chance that you'll be overweight yourself. Uh, If your friends drink too much or do drugs, that's contagious. Even unhappiness and loneliness is contagious. So I argue one of the best things you can do to add years to your life is to invest in a group of three or four friends who their idea of recreation is playing tennis or doing yoga or walking or gardening, um, that they care about you on a bad day. They're not just your slap-in-the-back uh, you know, Facebook friends, but they're real friends. You can have meaningful conversations with them. And then it's not a bad idea to have a vegan or vegetarian in your immediate network because uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but the Blue Zones diet, the diet of longevity, is about 95% whole plant-based food. and. You know, if all of our friends are sitting around grilling baby back ribs and burgers, we're not going to be over there eating tofu. Uh, So having a few friends who know how to make plant-based food taste good, know where to find those good plant-based restaurants, and kind of challenge you to up your game when you come over to their house, that's one of the best things you can do for the long run in in optimizing your diet.
0: Mm such incredible information. Actually, that's one thing I also learned um, from some of John's research is that uh, you I think it was a Stanford study that came out that said that if your friends are overweight or obese, your chance is also goes up forty five percent. And then that if they have a friend that's overweight or obese, it's twenty five percent. So it's mind blowing to me, Dan. Like I mean, we've always heard that birds of a feather flock together. I taught my boys, you are you become who you hang around with, right? And they'd roll their eyes at me all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but how? So how? You know you are this incredibly busy guy changing the world touching lives um, what is your mission right now like how can we as listeners um, get in you know get in touch with your work learn more about your work uh, so that we can also educate our communities can you share with everybody the best ways to maybe start with one of your first books or one of your first uh, interviews that you've done which one of your f- I don't know. Just share with us more on how we can know you better and know your work better.
1: Yeah, the first book, The, the Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer, was New York Times bestseller for about two straight years. I, I, I always say that because people are more likely to read a New York Times bestseller than they are. But um, the book, Blue Zone Kitchen, also number one New York Times bestseller, to, will show you how to eat the Blue Zones way. But we have a website, Blue Zones. There are free resources there, and on, on Instagram, I'm at Dan Butner. My my last name is B-U-E-T-T-N-E-R, and Dan, at Dan Butner. And and I'm if you anybody in your audience has a question, I'm really good. As you know, Christy, I'm good at uh, replying D- on uh, direct messages.
0: Yeah, you're that's amazing, and I know, and that's what I love about you. It's that. I can always tell a conscious leader when it's the one who wants to be on the ground with the people. Like when someone, you know, really isn't on the ground, not just walking their walk, talking their talk, you do that. And I'm just, I'm inspired by you um, because of just the human you are and the work that you're doing. And I know that a lot of our listeners are really advocates they you know they're advocates for mind body soul health and it, do you have ambassadors that can be a part of your mission that they you can teach them or they can get some type of certification to create blue zones in their communities do you have anything like that
1: well we we have 54 blue zone communities and in those communities we have an infrastructure to offer that but we don't have a just a nationwide in, infrastructure, but I really appreciate you asking the question. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think that anybody who understands these concepts understands that the environment we create for ourselves and our families and our communities are going to drive the health and well-being more than anything else. Uh, that's about all I could ask for.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, your ripple effect is is really making a massive impact. So one of my last questions that I have for you is one thing I loved so much about your work is that having a couple of glasses of wine uh, with the friends that you love, <laughs> you know, And um, what's funny is Joe Dispenza actually says it has the science and the research to back it up, that that's actually good too. Like you both are advocates of this, you know, but, but, but then we hear on the other side of that, that no, that's not good for you. It's not something you should do. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what you have found in regards to sharing a glass of Pinot with your favorite friends or family?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, you can find research or data to support any opinion. So people who don't like alcohol, they can find studies that show it promotes breast cancer, it's associated with breast cancer. Or lower rates of mortality. But I found in these blue zones that people are enjoying a couple glasses of wine a day tends to be high quality wine. Um, They're making it to, you know, they're living 10 years longer than we are without chronic disease. And I can't tell you for sure that they're living longer because of the wine, but I can tell you that they're drinking a little bit enjoying life and also living a long time. So there's room for that sort of thing. We've made it part of blue zones because people, not everybody, but people will will gather around the notion of, we call it wine at five, sort of happy hour. People will gather around that. And there's research that shows if you're having a glass of high quality red wine with a meal, plant-based meal, you about quadruple the flavonoid absorption. So there's an argument there. Uh, we found a wine in Sardinia, a Cannonau wine, that has the highest levels of antioxidants of any known wine. Um, you can actually get it if you Google Blue Zones wine, you'll find it. Um, but, um, you know, drinking a high quality wine a couple times, a, a couple glasses a day with friends and with food, you know, I will stand by that prescriptive all day long.
0: And I will stand behind you. (laughs) I love that. I think that
1: we can, we can sit across from each other.
0: I know we have to meet up and share a glass of Sardinian wine. I love that. I, I know I messaged you and I was like, Dan, can you please tell me where the happiest place to live is? I, I I need to find a new place. You know, I need to find some a new environment. Uh, and you shared some some really neat places, but I'm not sure I can quite get there with the, the current circumstances uh, with our traveling. But uh, anyway, uh, well, you nevertheless. Make,
1: you make a very good point there. So I wrote this book, Blue Zones of Happiness, which was also a cover story for National Geographic. And, you know, if happiness were a cake recipe, uh, you need food, you need shelter, you need education, you need health care. Um, we like to have satisfying work. Um, having the right partner in life could be the difference between uh, 90% of yourself, life being unhappy or 90% of it being happier. Um, we like to, the feeling of giving back. But the ingredient that has the most statistical variance. In other words, the ingredient, uh, most important ingredient in that cake recipe is where you live. So in other words, if you're unhappy, statistically speaking, the most powerful thing you can do is move. And we know that because when we follow unhappy people from places like Moldavia, Soviet bloc countries, poor places in Africa and Asia, as they move to happy places, like Denmark and Canada, within one year, nothing changes about most of their life. Their ethnicity remains the same. Their age remains the same. Their marital status, their religion, their sexual orientation, everything. But within one year, they're reporting the the happiness level of their adoptive home, which could often mean a doubling of their happiness. And there's nothing. There's no positive psychology or there's no no course you could take uh, that's going to so dependably double your happiness as opposed to moving to a happier place. And in America, by the way, the statistically happiest places are Boulder, Colorado, San Luis Obispo, in California, Santa Barbara, California, oddly, Ogden, Utah. Uh, these are places where you're more likely to be happy. In, and the subjects of my books and articles have been to, to deconstruct what is it about these places that are producing manifestly happier people. And it turns out there's a very clear uh, list of things that comes, come into view.
0: Yeah, I think I'd asked you about Santa Barbara, and I went to check it out, and I <laughs> I was like, I saw the price to live in Santa Barbara. I was like, well, I think I need to impact some more lives and earn that one, <laughs> or I just can go live in my little camper van there. <laughs>
1: Well, there's also Golita to the north, which is a lot cheaper, or San Luis Obispo, which is also significantly cheaper. But, yeah, you know, it turns out that places that focus on quality of life, a lot of people move there and housing prices go up. So a lot of these counterintuitive things, like getting rid of billboards. Uh, Of course, the advertisers get all angry and you're limiting my freedom. But on the other hand, people who live in places without billboards have measurably lower rates of obesity, and they say they're happier. So the only people who miss the billboards, it turns out, are the advertisers.
0: So amazing. there's,
1: there's, There's a dozen examples like that that make a city healthier and happier.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've noticed a difference. Like I literally, when I used to live in Kansas, you know, I built the dream house on the 20 acres out in the middle of nowhere, thinking that would make me feel better. Um, of course, we all, there's many issues behind that. We know that none of that will make you actually fulfill you. Um, however, every time I flew away, I felt better. And I, I just I couldn't understand, you know, why I wasn't feeling like that was my that personally wasn't my place. Um, but there are certain places that I vibrate differently. My energy is different. I feel more alive, you know, around more conscious minded people, or maybe they're eating well, or they're out like Ashland, Oregon is uh, right next to me. And when you go in, I don't know if you've been to Ashland, Dan, but everyone's outside and they're walking and they're hiking and they're smiling at you when you're in the park. And it's like, I, it's, it, when I first moved to the, there, I was like, Who are these people? They're happy. They're smiling at you when they walk by. And it's really beautiful. So I know that our time has come to an end, which is, it really hasn't come to an end because we shall be friends forever. However, I want to thank you so much for your time today and friends go follow Dan's work. He is a force for good in our world. And as you know, I always bring force for goods into onto our show because together Uh, We are better and we can create this ripple of conscious connections and love and community. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Dan, for being who you are, for doing the work you do and 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 inspiring me to continue to to do better and to be better to do more to share more to love more um and and i'm just really excited to get to meet you in person one day so let's just share with the audience one more time where they can find your work um at dan Butner is your instagram handle and then your website is blue zones
1: yes or at dan Butner. yes or there's a ted talk there's a if you Google my name and had 18 minutes, you can get the full secret to longevity. That's probably a good free way for um, if you want to if you want to learn more in a kind of a crash course. But um, say, Christy, it's a delight to meet you. I know you put so much good energy out in the world. I know you're trying so hard to take all you know and the people you know and, and, and offer it to audiences. And I salute you for that. I, I'm honored to be to be on your, your relatively new podcast here. And I, I can't wait until you're nudging Joe Rogan out of the way for the top spot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am on the mission to serve at that level, my friend. Thank you for uh, just sharing your time and space today. Have an epic, beautiful day. Until we meet again and connect again, keep impacting the world in such massive ways. Much love to you.
1: Love right on back and all you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for
0: listening. <laughs> And thank you so much to all of our beautiful listeners out there today who joined us to listen to this amazing podcast with the incredible Dan Butner. We are so grateful to share this conscious community of lightworkers, joining forces, sharing information, sharing love so that we together can go out into the world and make it a better place, make our homes a better place, make our communities a better place. And it's people like Dan Butner who show up and do the work. And it's people like you. So continue to spread the love and serve. Love to all. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Love & Serve podcasts. It is my sincere hope that the rest of your day is filled with abundance, love, and light. Know that I believe in you and know that when you shine your light, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. You are making an impact. I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Love & Serve. For more information, you can go to thelovegypsy.com and follow us at Christy Dryling Beauty on Instagram.